Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Three exhortations for doing good. So God has called us to do good, and there's three principles about doing good that we need to study. The first one is capital letter A, do not become weary in doing good. So when we're doing good, we should not get tired and stop just because we're weary. Let's break down that word weary in the Greek. Ekakeo means to be weak, to fail in heart, to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out, exhausted, to lack courage, to lose heart, and to be faint-hearted. So what I always like to do is when we do a word study, find another place in Scripture where that same Greek word is used or Hebrew word. And so Ephesians 3.13 uses the same Greek word for weary. I ask you, therefore, to not be discouraged, which is one of the definitions of that word in the Greek, because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So the, the phrase lose heart is that same Greek word, of do not become weary in do, doing good. So don't be discouraged in doing good. Do not lose heart in do, doing good and do not grow weary. And so let's define the word good, shall we? There's actually more than one word for good. One, one is agathos. This other one is kalos. And so there's a, a lot of commandments and recommendations and encouragements that we would do good. And we know that God is good, Right? All the time. Now, when we say good, we don't mean just average. We mean it morally and, and the benefit we have toward us and spiritually. So good, kalos, remember there's a different word for good as well, means beautiful. So don't be weary in doing things that are beautiful. Look at you. You all look beautiful. <laughs> I can tell you took some time, so that's good. Magnificent. Good, excellent in its nature and characteristics, and therefore well adapted to its ends. Beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life, praiseworthy, morally good, noble, honorable. So think about, you know, when we get ready in the morning, how much care we take to look good. I've reached the age where I try to avoid mirrors. Anybody with me? I just, as little as possible, okay, that looks you know, that's presentable for the most part, I'm done. But as much as we may put an effort in looking good on the outside, we should make that effort for being beautiful on the inside. I'm telling you, I have known people that had physical beauty but were unattractive inside. Do you know what I'm saying? They may have had the physical beauty, but they were, they were ugly in their heart. And it's better to have an inward beauty than just an outward beauty and lacking an inward beauty. That inward beauty, as it says in 1 Peter 3, will never fade. And that's what we're to strive for, is that, that goodness that comes from our hearts, not just the beauty on the outside. Now, this word kalos in the Greek is used 100 times in the New Testament. And that's just one word for good. So again, something, it's one of the characteristics of God. God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. And so we should never tire 
of doing good things because it's beautiful to the Lord. You know, there are, there are, th- there are ways we can please the Lord. And if we strive to do what's right, to do what's good, there's a beauty. It's beautiful to the Lord. It's pleasing to him. And so I know that, you know, we, we all grew up where being good was a bad thing, right? You never wanted to be called a goody two-shoes or any. It's, and our culture has made being good a bad thing, you know, a negative thing. But we stand true to God's word. And when we do good with the right motives, it is beautiful to God. He sees it as a beautiful thing. So how, why do we sometimes grow weary doing good? Anybody have an idea? What, how come we grow tired trying to do good? Okay, sometimes there's no results. We're doing all the good and we're not getting anything back. In fact, you know what's really hard is to do good to someone who does not do good to you. But how many of you know we're called to do good to everyone? To show goodness, that, again, that beauty, that beauty, that excellence, that praiseworthiness, honorable. We're to be honorable even if it's not, we're not being honored ourselves. Uh, what are some other reasons that cause us to grow weary in doing good? Yes. Very good. Excellent. Thanks for the response. There's, there's too much bad in the world, he said, this wise young man. And that is the truth. We get overwhelmed with the evil in the world. I don't know about you, but sometimes I do. Just, and I'm one of those guys that I love watching those mystery shows, you know, uh, where um, people try to get away with it, but they found out through DNA they catch them some way. I can't remember Forensic Files. I love watching. Jolene's like, man, that's I can't watch that stuff, you know. And but for some reason, but I do get a little discouraged by the evil in the world so much evil in the world and and what humanity is capable of doing and so you're right it can be overwhelming and the bible says that we are to to do good all the more as we see the evil day approaching you know uh, we we need to continue in that any other reasons we grow weary in trying to do the right thing yeah, you get tired it, it, because doing good takes effort, doesn't it? it and, and so sometimes to keep doing that, especially we grow weary in our flesh and in our hearts. And that's why that commandment is there, don't grow weary in doing good. And, the, and there's a promise, as we'll get into it, that keeps us going so we don't give up. Because uh, two of my favorite Psalms are Psalms 37 in Psalm 73, and it talks about when the wicked prosper and how frustrating that is. You know, when you've tried to do the right thing your whole life, you've never cheated on your taxes, you know, you've never taken anything, and then you see people that seem to be blessed, and they're cutting corners, and they're, uh, there are times in my jobs, I, the co-workers would clock out early and or say they worked longer than they did, and that, and then it seemed like they get promoted, and it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, here I've been faithful. But how many you know, we do good unto the Lord, not unto man. I mean, we, you know, that's not our purpose is to impress man. And if we do good unto the Lord, how many you know, he will promote us at the right time. He will honor us at the right time. 
but it can be wearisome when others seem to get away with it. And so if you ever get discouraged and say, I don't I understand why the wicked prosper, read Psalms 37 and Psalm 73, because the psalmist in Psalm 73 said, I almost slipped until I came to the house of the Lord. And so we, we're, we do good. How many know if we do good, God will reward that? But that's not why we do good. We do good because it's beautiful to our Father. And so that's, that's the motivation. But the be, there is a benefit to it. And here's what it is, capital letter B. We will reap a harvest at the proper time if we do not give up. So again, you're planting goodness, you'll reap greatness. Good things give way to great things. Number one, the promise is that we will be rewarded for our faithfulness. And this is not just a one-time faithfulness, but it's a life of faithfulness. Matthew 25, 21, you know this scripture. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. There's the promise. If we're faithful in small things, God will make us faithful in greater things. If we do good, he will help us do great. And so it's that, that whole principle of sowing and reaping. We, this is how we raise our children. When, they are, when they're faithful with small things like making their bed, cleaning their room, we can trust them with greater things like the family car, right? But this principle is true. Another universal spiritual principle, we have to be faithful in small things before God will let us be faithful in greater things, before he can trust us with other things. And that's true even in the church and even in our families is we, if people are responsible in small things, then chances are they can be trusted to be responsible with greater things. And so the Lord does the same with us. And won't it be worth it all when we hear those words from Jesus, well done. And here's, here's what Jesus is going to reward us for, good and faithful. It's the goodness and the faithfulness of our life that Jesus will say, come into and share in your master's happiness. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, the judgment seat of Christ. Again, we will never be judged for our sins. That's why Jesus died on the cross. There is no purgatory or we would still be paying for our sins and Christ died for nothing. But Christ died so that we would be not only forgiven, but not judged for our sin. But Christians will be judged for their works. And this is what it describes in 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So again, we see this principle that we're not judged for our sins. We, you know, if we've accepted Christ, we're going to heaven. But there will be those, and I do believe in deathbed conversions. How many know the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that heart is sincere, 
then they are saved and they will spend eternity in heaven. But they may be without reward because they either, they didn't have, it, it, um, here's the important thing to understand. The rewards are for what you did good after you were saved, not before. And we don't do good deeds to get saved, but because we're saved, we do good deeds and we'll be rewarded for that. And number two, there are two qualifiers for reaping a harvest. Letter A, the first one is that we will reap the, a harvest at the proper time. Sometimes we want our harvest too soon and it's not ripe. It's not ready. Sometimes we get discouraged in living a faithful Christian life because the harvest takes a long time. I mean, we live our whole life, we're, ga we're gaining eternal rewards, but how many know that's just by faith? We don't see them. And that's why the Bible says, store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Because in heaven, they're permanent, they're eternal. But there is a timing to the harvest. And God does reward us here on earth. We talked about that last week. There are rewards that we receive here on earth, but the greatest rewards are in heaven. And God determines the proper time. And the, the harvest may only be partial in this life, but in the life to come, it will be fullness of, of our harvest. And so why do we struggle so much with God's timing? Because we want it now, that, and that is, isn't that the culture we live in? Instantaneous, you know, if I'm going through McDonald's drive-thru and they make me pull over and wait, I'm not happy about that. You know, uh, we're, we're in that kind of society where we, need, we want everything now. You know, I was thinking how when we were, when I was a kid, we didn't have Amazon.com. We didn't have .com anything. And so, but what we had is the Sears catalog. Anybody remember Sears catalog? And, you, and we lived in a small town that did not have a Sears but it had a Sears order center where you could go to the catalog and order something. And it didn't come in two days <laughs> like Amazon. It came in two weeks if you were lucky, maybe two months. And so, but now on Amazon, sometimes you can get it in one day. It's probably in the warehouse right outside of Bakersfield. And it comes to your place. But if, but I've, now we're conditioned that we want it they're trying to do the same day delivery with drones. Just think of a drone driving, flying up to your house, dropping off your box and taking off. It's going to get a little creepy. But our society has created things to make our life easier and all it's done is made it more complex. There was a time where we could actually rest because we didn't have this ball and chain called a smartphone always interrupting us, interrupting our dinner. And, and so, you know, we, we have to learn to wait. All throughout Scripture, it talks about waiting on the Lord. And if you wait, God will renew your strength. But we're not going to find these blessings if we're in a hurry. We have to learn God's timing, and it's, our, it's counter to our culture. God may wait years. I shared with you in my sermon, these people waited 18 years to be healed. The persistent widow. And so it's, it's imperative upon us to be 
patient, which is one of the fruit of the Spirit we dis- we've discovered and discussed. Letter B. Uh, the other qualifier for reaping a harvest is if we don't give up. We have to reap it at the proper time, and then we have to reap it if we don't give up. This word give up is ekluo, and this is an... Sometimes I love the Greek words because of where they come from. Remember we talked about long in the nose means long-suffering. Well, this one is similar to that. It it means to loose or unloose as a bowstring. To weaken, to relax, to exhaust. To have one's strength relaxed. To become feeble through exhaustion. To grow weak, to grow weary. To be tired out, to become despondent. And so the literal meaning of do not give up is do not loosen your bowstring. Because if how many know if you loosen your bowstring, now these days we've got compound bows, you can't even do that. But remember the day we didn't have those, you would loosen your bowstring, which makes the bow ineffective. It can't shoot an arrow if it has a bowstring that's loose. But that's what it means is don't loosen your bowstring. Don't give up. Keep going. And we have those scriptures, again, that use the same Greek word, ekluo. Matthew 15, 32, in the Amplified Bible, explains it. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have pity and sympathy and am deeply moved for the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing at all left to eat. And I am not willing to send them away hungry lest they faint or become exhausted on the way. Same Greek word, the the uh, Amplified uses two words to describe it. Hebrews 12.3 in the Amplified. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against him. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. Wow, that's, that's pretty exhaustive there. Number two, we cannot give into the temptation to coast or to let down our guard or to become complacent or apathetic. We really have to guard our hearts from this because it is tiring. You know, I've spoken with so many pastors and so many people that COVID was just exhausting to people. You know, so much stress, we never knew what the truth was, back and forth, and, and it just created an uncertainty in people, and I've, I've never seen such fatigue as, as it is, you know, really almost worldwide, but in my circle of pastors who are just dog-tired, you know, trying to figure out, do we open the church, do we close the church, you know, all of that, that stress and strain, but we got to press on. We can't give up. So capital letter C, let us take every opportunity to do good to all people, especially for other Christians. Three ways to do good. First of all, we should do good. We should not grow weary. Then we will reap a harvest if we do not give up doing good. And then we come to letter C, we need to look for those opportunities to do good. Number one, because we know that all good that we do will be rewarded by God then we should be encouraged to continue to take advantage of every opportunity to do good to all people. And that involves, number two, it's interesting, 
A person is to provide for the needs of his own household first before he meets the needs of others. Listen to this scripture, 1 Timothy 5.8. Now, this, this happens from time to time as a pastor where people will come because they have a need. And the first thing I, I ask is, do you have any family to help you? Because that's the first step in asking for help. The Bible makes it clear as to if you have family, they're supposed to help you. If you don't have family, then it, it comes to the church family. So your natural family and your church family. Look at 1 Timothy 5.8. This is a heavy scripture. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so... And I know there are a lot of circumstances why family can't help other family members, but that's the first step biblically. If somebody has, needs the help, they need to go to their family. If their family's unwilling to help them or unable, then it should come to the church. And uh, we, many times as a church, help people through benevolence, through city serve, through ministries like that, where people have that need, that genuine need. In the same way, number three, while we are, we are to be willing to help anyone in need, the priority must first be those who are fellow believers. We are to help the world, we are to help the poor, but the Bible says take care of your own home and the church home before you take care of the world. Um, and so there's, a, there's a, a principle, a responsibility. First it's our own family, and then it's to uh, take care of the church family and then to touch the world as we can. So we have some scriptures that, that back this up. Romans 12, 13. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 3 John 5 through 8. Dear friends, you are, faithful in, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers. Even though they are strangers to you, they have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. So again, we take care of our personal family, our church family, and then the world. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for your word, God, as you have given us guidance in how to live our lives and Lord, I thank you that you've called us to do good even when no one else is. When the world is going the opposite direction, God, you still tell us to do the right things. And so, Father, help us do that because we know that when we do good, it's beautiful to you. And Lord, every good deed we do, you will reward. You, Jesus, you said, even if you give a cup of water in the name of Jesus, you will not lose your reward. Something as simple as giving someone water will reap a reward in heaven. Thank you, God, for the promises we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you, folks. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.